0: Lord, we want to be humble before you this morning. Lord, we don't want to try and make you move. We want, want you to cause you to move simply because, Lord, we are fertile ground for your work in our lives. So, so, Lord, we want to have open hearts and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will work in each one of us, regardless of whether we know you or not, regardless of whether we've had a great week uh, in terms of our relationship with you or not. Lord, work in our hearts this morning. Make us different when we leave this place, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul, uh, the man in that story that um, Jane just read to us, he was called Saul, then he became Paul. Saul wrote, uh, Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. He wrote this, For the message of the cross is foolish, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is ridiculous. those who don't believe it but to those who do believe it it's amazing and it's life-changing the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of God if you've ever tried to share the gospel with someone who isn't quite ready yet to believe you'll know that they think you're quite weird when you say, you know, 2,000 years ago, there was this man, Jesus, and he wasn't just an ordinary he was God's son, and, and they nailed him to a cross, and if you trust in him, you can live forever. People just think, <clears throat> what a strange person you are. But for those who are perishing, the message of the cross is silly, it's ridiculous. But for those of us that are the other side of that and who trust in Jesus Christ, it is the power of God. We know that story, as strange as it may sound to a non-Christian, to us is the very core of our hope. And our being. For many people, the message of the cross, Jesus' death and his resurrection, his ascension to heaven, the fact that he's alive now at the right hand of God, the fact that he's going to come down at the end of time and judge the living and the dead, the message of Christianity for many people is silly. At best, it's something personal that gives us religious types a crutch to lean on when we're feeling weak. And maybe they think at worst it makes reasonable people fundamental and fundamentalists. But for Paul, the man that wrote those words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the message of the cross wasn't a crutch for him to lean on because he was a religious type and needed perking up every now and again. For Paul, it was the message that completely transformed his life. If you, have you ever met someone who you've looked at and you've looked at them and you've thought, you will never ever change? Have you ever met anyone like that? I've met numerous people like that. And you look at them and you think, you're never ever going to change. You're always going to be miserable. You're always going to be stroppy and grumpy. You're always going to be those, like, you can never change. No one can change you. And we meet those people, don't we? And we say, never can we change. Or maybe this morning there are bits in your character and you think, this is never going to change. I'm always going to have that reaction when someone gets on my nerves or when a worry comes. I always react like this. I'm never going to change. The message of the cross and of Jesus being the saviour, changed someone who was extremely unlikely to change, that man Saul. In Acts chapter 9, if you have it open that's great, we're only going to refer to it just briefly now, but in Acts chapter 9 the story of Saul's conversion, as it's written uh, in the title of that chapter, Saul's conversion, is a story almost unlike no other. It's completely amazing. It's right there in the New Testament to remind us that here was a man who everybody thought would never change. Here was a man that God couldn't change, surely. He was a murderer, he was a persecutor, he was bitter, he was angry. Surely he could never, ever change. Yet when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, what did he do? Changed. Didn't take him a long time, he didn't have to go through a course, just like that and it was the message of the cross of Jesus Christ the message the full force of the message of Easter the gospel the total power of Jesus death and resurrection is explained in chapter 9 of Acts reminders to the early church and to every Christian who's ever lived since that that message has the power to transform even the most unlikely person Paul who used to be called Saul we've already said uh, was a Pharisee he was a zealot there was a man who, when he saw this infant church growing up in Jerusalem, when he saw thousands of people begin to join this new movement that were teaching things that he saw going against the law of God, it wasn't going against God's law, it was completing God's law. It was going against first century traditions, which were going against God's law. And as he saw that, he became consumed with a, a fundamentalism, a, a religious anger, and he set about a personal vendetta to attack, slander, arrest, and even have people being killed for being Christians. His reputation, we must never lose sight of, was fierce. If this was now, you would be terrified of Saul. If someone said, Saul is going to visit your church and have a look at you all, we would all probably clear out, because he would mean to do us harm. He wouldn't be there to put a a cross like a minor minor fail or a major fail, like a, a, a driving test. He would mean to arrest you and throw you in prison, and if he could, have you executed. That's who Saul was. He was a terrible man. And if there was ever a person that God couldn't reach, surely Saul would be it. Until one day on the road to Damascus, when Jesus himself meets Paul supernaturally. And we read in those first few verses, uh, he was changed in a moment. It says, Paul, still breathing out murderous threats I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city and you will be told what you must do when you get there. What an amazing moment. It's a real reminder that God's grace that we talked about last week uh, extends to even people like Saul. Um, If I can just go on a tangent actually. I remember talking to a guy about um, working out God's will for my life. And I said, you know, it would be great to have a road to Damascus experience, wouldn't it? Be fantastic, and he said, What on earth do you want a road to Damascus experience for? He said, He was a murderer, and that's how God reached out to him because he was so bad. Um, God speaks to us in different ways if we're Christians through His Word, through prayer, and through other ways. Um, it just always makes me think of that when I read those verses. But it was amazing, wasn't it? He changed just in one instant as he received Christ as His Lord and Savior. This man, this murderer, this zealot became Saul, and then he changed so much that they called him Saul but it was such an amazing transformation that the church couldn't believe it in verses 13 to 14 poor old Ananias uh this man is sitting he's sitting in his house in Damascus quietly getting on with his Christian life and then God says to him um speaks to him and that says Lord Ananias answered I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem he has come here with authority and from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. It's like he says to God, no, 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 I think you've been misinformed. Not this guy, he's not coming because he's a Christian, Lord, he's coming to kill us. Surely you've got it wrong. They couldn't believe the story of transformation. I've met Christians who can't believe stories of transformations. You hear miracles in the Middle East, miracles in the most unlikely setting, and they say, surely not. Surely not. That's a bit ridiculous. But surely, because God is a God who does amazing things, even when you don't expect him to. And I tell you this story because Jesus' death has the power to truly change uh, a person. We've been working down the letter, uh, the word Easter, with every letter forming an acronym of that word. And so we had E was for everlasting life, A was for assurance, S was for salvation, T was for the gift, um, And in brackets, grace. And E, this morning, stands for um, transformation. It does, (laughs) trust me. There we are. E stands for transformation, doesn't it? It's impossible. How can can E stand for a T? But in just a way that Saul could never be a Christian, maybe that can be T as well. (laughs) Oh, dear. You can go home now if you want. (laughs) Apologise. You try and think of an, uh, a word that refers to transformation that starts with an E. I spent most of my week Googling it, and uh, you can't find anything. Um, so in our series so far, uh, much of what we've talked about has been external. You know, I'm given eternal life in week one. I'm given, it comes to me where I am, an external blessing. I'm saved from my situation in week three. And last week, it's the grace given to me that enables me to be saved. And all of those, in a way, have been external Blessings of the cross of Christ. This week, E for transformation, um, is an internal change. Because when you come to Jesus, when you put your faith in him, you don't just get something to enjoy, you're changed on the inside. There's an internal change. On that road to Damascus, Paul didn't just change his belief system. He wasn't just given proof that Jesus was the son of God and he existed. And so he said, oh yes, tick, I'll believe that. He was changed on the most fundamental internal level, on the very level of his human nature. That moment of transformation on the road to Damascus never left Paul. And in fact, he says, I want to know nothing except the cross of Christ. Even to his death, the only thing he wanted to talk about was Jesus' death and resurrection, even as he was being beheaded in Rome. And the Bible makes claim after claim after claim that when we follow Jesus Christ, when we trust in that cross and the power of his resurrection, we too can be truly transformed. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 5 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, God's wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace that you have been Saved. The Bible says that before you knew Jesus, you were in fact an enemy of God, that you were actually lost, that you were lost in your sin. But God made you alive. He changed you. He transformed you by his grace and his rich mercy. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 to 22, speaks of it like this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Through death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. That's such an amazing two verses that you're completely changed by his death. You're holy in the sight of God without blemish and free from accusation. When I laid the uh, carpet in our bedroom at the house, oh, actually, I don't think I told of this. Um, I was, you know, when you go around the fireplace, it sort of comes out like that, doesn't it? And uh, when I was just trying to cut it to fit it like that, and, uh, and my knife went, whoosh, and I made a big gash like that. And so what I did was I got lots of little copper nails so they blend into the green of the carpet. And I went along like that, and I kind of fluffed it up. Andrea doesn't know about it. Um, <laughs> but no matter, whenever I walk into our bedroom, she did know, I told her, I came clean, we had a heart-to-heart. <laughs> I admitted my failings. But um, for the first two years that carpet being down, every single time I walked into my bedroom, all I could see was a very faint line that no one else could and it's the same with life isn't it no matter how good you are there's always a blemish somewhere there's always something that you can't get rid of except when you trust in jesus christ those blemishes are washed clean and you are made holy free from accusation in the sight of almighty god and it's truly amazing it paints a picture a a direct picture of our sin it uses words that we don't normally use that we're enemies of god separated from him and actually our sin deserves punishment but the message of Christ is so powerful. The cross, his death, his resurrection is so effective, so amazing, that if you trust in Jesus, even if you're an enemy of God, you can be washed clean and forgiven. His death is so powerful that even though it was 2,000 years ago, even now, today, even in 2,000 years' time, if you put your trust in him, we too can be transformed. And so actually, E shouldn't stand for enemies, should it? I can't remember what the next picture stand, what I put. It should actually stand for enemies transformed because that's actually what happens when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. So let's go back to Paul. And let's just ask a really quick question. Um how on earth can believing that Jesus died for you and becoming a Christian transform you on the inside? How can why does it change a person? Why did Saul go from Saul to Paul from a, a murderous zealot to the most amazing Christian man in the New Testament? Uh, who did truly amazing things. Well, just two things I want to leave with you this morning, two thoughts to take away. And number one is that he changed because the nature of faith. For many people, being a Christian is simply an intellectual decision. Oh, yeah, I believe that there was a guy called Jesus. He was probably God's son. So, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. That's not how it works, I'm afraid. Intellectually agreeing to something isn't the same as giving your life to something. For many people, that's how they became Christians. When they accepted, it was probably true. But when someone genuinely gives their life to Jesus Christ, it's not the process of simply believing he existed and that he was God's son. Actually, something amazing takes place. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, this is brilliant. Paul, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ. I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You see, the day I became a Christian, I was 11 years old. Uh, somebody took me into their back room they asked me, did you want to accept Jesus Christ as your saviour this morning or was it this evening? Um, and I said, okay. And she said, I prayed a prayer with her. I asked Jesus into my life. And that moment I became a Christian at 11 and a half years old also coincided and happened to be the day of my funeral for my old life. The day I found Christ, I died to my old life. And it's truly amazing. The day I trusted in Jesus, I no longer lived. My old life that said, I don't care about God and I'm going to do it my way, even though I was only 11, it was all in me, that died. It was put to death. It was crucified with Christ. And that day, he moved in. I moved out. He moved in, into me by the power of his Holy Spirit. You see, faith is not intellectual assent to a truth. It is total transformation of the soul. It really is. Your old nature died. They had a funeral and everything but no one was sorry. Christ moved in and heaven rejoiced and it is worth asking all of you this morning, it's worth asking me as well, have you ever truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Do you assent to the truth of it? Do you like the church? Do you enjoy the morality and the ethics? Do you like the company of most of us? Um, Do you enjoy the activities that are put on? Do you think it's probably all true? But have you ever truly said, Lord Jesus Christ, you are the Son of God, I die to my old life. Come home, come in, and be my king. Because that's becoming a Christian. In fact, I'm going to pray now. I'm going to ask you to stand up or anything. But just shut your eyes if you could. Because there are some people that go through church, go through life, spend 50 years at church but never know the Savior. So I want to say a prayer. And if you're not sure, just pray it in your mind. Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. And today I want to die to my old life. I ask you, be in my life. Be my life. Be my saviour. I love you and I promise to follow you. Amen. And it is the most amazing thing that when you become a Christian, Christ is in you. 1 Corinthians 3, 16-17, Paul again says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. Paul's talking about a different issue about sexual morality. But it's a good point to have made that if you're a Christian, a temple where God dwells. And that makes your life more important than anyone else could tell you it is or isn't. You are are sacred in the sight of God because his spirit dwells in you. You see, Saul changed, became Paul, not because of his intellect, but not because his church was great. They didn't want to have him for the first few years, did they? Not because he had a great support network or because he did a course. But on that road to Damascus, he died to that old, terrible life, and he allowed Christ to move. Um, Well, I watched a film with the kids a few weeks ago. I did have a clip, but I won't show it. Um, There's a film called Inside Out, if you've seen it. Quite good. Um, I won't bother explaining it. It'll take too long. Well, i have to explain it, won't I? Um, basically, you're inside a little girl's head, That's just scary in its own way. And, uh, and she's controlled by these emotions, uh, anger, happiness, or joy. So anger, joy, fear, disgust. Thank you. <laughs> you're obviously a big fan as well. It's good to, it's good to meet a fellow fan. Um, so you've got all the... and, and they kind of fight, uh, and they each take prominence. And depending on uh, what happens with this little girl... And how she reacts is all down to which one of these, or they control what core memories, anyway. But the point is, whatever's inside you controls you. And if your old nature is still controlling you, then it's all going to go wrong, isn't it? You're not going to be living the way God wants. When Christ comes in, he takes the helm, and he lives, and he directs you. So Paul was uh, taken over by the living God on that road to Damascus. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Paul again says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, in the realm of the spirit if indeed the spirit of god lives in you and if anyone does not have the spirit of christ they do not belong to christ i want to emphasize that point one more time that church attendance uh, and being acting like a good christian is not enough in the sight of god coming all your life doesn't make you right in the sight of god only faith in jesus christ So uh, one next verse, Titus chapter 3 verse 5, Paul again says, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. So Saul changed because the nature of faith was to allow God to clean him on the inside out. So that's one thought to take away. Next thought I want to leave you with about why he changed and transformed so much isn't just the nature of faith, but the kind of death Jesus died. The second reason why Jesus' death on a cross 2,000 years ago changes a person is because of the type of death it was. Uh, he was in our place, it was substitutionary, if you want the technical term. He was our substitute, he died for us. In our place. Chris, you may want to put your fingers in your ears for this next bit. Um, During the last World Cup, uh, Louis van Gaal, the then coach of the Dutch side, made his last and probably greatest tactical decision. Uh, He's not made any since um, at Man United. Sorry, Chris is at Man United so bless him. I'll pray for him afterwards, but... um and after two hours of football against Costa Rica, I believe it was, uh, as the Dutch were beginning to tire out and the Costa Ricans were thinking, here we go, penalties are inevitable, as it got to the 120th minute, just as the game was finishing, Louis van Gaal flagged down the fourth official and he made a substitution. And do you know who he substituted? It's only one of us know, two of us know. Um, so let's, let's go the secret. In the final minute, he took off his goalkeeper. A man who had played for two hours because he was exhausted and because he wasn't very good at saving penalties. And he put on a man mountain named Tim Crawl, who was an absolute monster, about 12 foot wide, hands to hand. And uh, he put Tim Krull in goal and Tim Crawl saved almost every penalty and the Dutch went through and the Costa Ricans went home. Man United supporters were so pleased that day. Um, now they're not so sure. He was substituted because he did for jasper Silasen, what he couldn't do for himself and at the cross christ is substituted in to our place to do for us what we can't do to take the full weight of our sin to die and rise again 2 corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says of jesus god made him who had no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god you can only be changed because at the cross this happens Don't panic. If you imagine, my darkest shirt here is um, all the things I've done in my life. Now, I'm taking it off because I'm going to be quick. Excuse me. Now, most people collect a lot of rubbish over the course of their lives. And they try their best to take it off. Maybe they cover it up with a... A bit of white and purity every now and again, but it kind of slips off, doesn't it? You go back to the same habits and you don't ever seem to change. But when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, this happens He comes to you and He takes off your unrighteousness and He gives you His righteousness. And so, one who was dirty and wrong before God can stand before God clean. I can't get that shirt off on my own. I can't get my sin out of my life by being good and trying really hard to be holy. Is that right? Yeah. Um, every week. I have have done the buttons the wrong way around. But when I trusted in Jesus, he came to me and he cleaned me. He took it off me, not to throw it on the floor, but to put it on himself so that on the cross he bore my sin and I held and I was clothed in his righteousness and in one two in the same chapter verse 17 paul writes therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old is gone the new is here and one final verse 1 peter three eighteen. christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to god he was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit But why did Jesus die for you? He died to give you everlasting life. He died to give you assurance that you would live forever, that you're forgiven. He died to save you from your sin because you couldn't do it yourself. He died as an act of grace, but he died to transform you from the inside out. And maybe you're a bit younger this morning and you're thinking, yeah, whatever. Trust me, there will come a day where you will make your mistakes, just like I made mine and they all made theirs. And you will say, who can sort this out? Christ. It will always, ever, only ever be Jesus Christ. So let me finish by asking you a question. And then we're just going to sing a few songs. Are you still trying to change yourself? Are you still trying to make yourself better by working hard at being good? Don't bother. Be liberated from that. Work hard at being closer to your Savior because he has the power to renew you and clean you on the inside and then work out your salvation. Work out your salvation and then come to him. Come to him first as a priority and then put it into practice. Is there someone in your life that you truly believe God doesn't stand a chance of changing for his kingdom? Why do you believe that? Where is your faith? If God can change you, if God can change me, if God can change Saul, God can change them. You just need to have faith the size of a mustard seed and let him use you in that process. Let's pray. Father God, we just lift up, Lord, these wonderful verses we've read this morning. Father God, we thank you that Jesus died in our place. We thank you, Lord, such is the power of faith that because he died in our place, our substitute, But Lord, he comes to us. We die to our old life. A life, Lord, that was going nowhere. Lord, we're made alive in Christ. And Lord, by your spirit, you'll give us new new birth and renewal. Renew us again this morning, Father God. Lord, as we sing now, I pray that you would just by your spirit renew us who need renewing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.